Hello everyone and welcome back to the TKZ Outdoors podcast. I am your new host Ryan Brown. Uh, We gave the boys in the UP a little bit of a break. I know my brother, he's up there getting his house ready uh, with an addition he's got um, putting on, or he's been putting on all summer. He's also expecting a child here in the next week or two, maybe less. So he's got his hands full, as well as the other Uper boys. Uh, we joked around, they're getting ready for winter already, um, apart from deer season that's just around the corner as well. So again, I'm, a, I'm your new host, Ryan Brown. Uh, this is going to be my first one, but we do have a great a great show lined up for you um, coming up here. I'm on the phone with Jordan Cook, and you may have heard about him. He had a great story this past spring where he was trapping in the Thumb of Michigan uh, near the Harbor Beach area, and he came across the Canadian Lynx story. Um, well, this is where it's coming from. He trapped, he's, he trapped the Canadian Lynx. He found out it wasn't too far away from where he was living and then when he had heard it was attacking um, someone's you know livestock geese ducks chickens uh, he knew exactly who the person was has a great relationship with them and and that's kind of how it all got started so this story happened back in the springtime and you know it got a lot of publicity at the time Um, there was a lot of things on social media different news outlets and radio channels that had reached out to him and from what I noticed there was some misconceptions about what had happened the condition of the links where it was taken or going to be taken for how long uh, different things like that and I know Jordan did his best to try to correct the the misconceptions that were out there because different media companies or media outlets were misquoting him saying certain things about the animal that weren't true uh, like it was injured by the trap that he had placed it in stuff like that and I know he's tried to correct that um, through social media but you know once it's out there it's out there so I wanted to get him on our podcast as our first guest um, with a chance to hear his side of the story uh, right from you know his his mouth what he saw what happened and uh, just kind of hear that from him again. Um, him and I went to high school together. We're both from Harbor Beach, so I know him very well. I know his family very well. So this was a really exciting time. I was really looking forward to getting this going and getting him on here with our first ever guest to the TKZ Outdoors podcast. This is going to be episode number four. So without further ado, let's get this rolling. Hey, good morning, Jordan. How are you? Good morning. Not bad. How you doing, man? Pretty good, man. Uh, how's your Labor Day weekend going? Pretty good. Pretty good. Big Michigan victory last night, so even better. Yeah. Yeah. Did you stay up and watch the whole thing? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We made it. We made it to the whole. I mean, we, we, we had enough time for the rest of that game. So. Okay. We weren't going to, but it wasn't looking good. No, no. I thought the uh, offense looked a little sloppy at times, but hopefully they get her straightened out as we go along here. Yeah, I hope so. Definitely, definitely. Well, hey, man, I appreciate you taking time out of your Labor Day morning here, Labor Day weekend morning, to talk a little bit trapping with us. Uh, I know we've been trying to do this for a few months, what seems like, but it's finally to be able to get get on the phone with each other and do this. Yeah, yep, yeah. I'm excited about it. 
Cool. Well, um, like I mentioned to you the other day, kind of like what I wanted to do is get a little bio on yourself, uh, what you do for a living, uh, your age, where you grew up, how kind of how you got started into trapping, and you know, kind of take it from there. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Do you want? Oh, you want? You want to uh, do that right now? <laughs> yeah. Fire away. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm uh, 29 years old. Uh, born and raised in Harbor Beach. Uh, um, live in Applegate now. I'm a beekeeper by trade. I've been doing that for. Uh, four years probably about. I work for a beekeeper here in Crosswell, so it's only about 10 miles from the house, so it's a lot. It's not too bad, and the trap line runs, this year it's going to run right through, uh, right through from here to Crosswell, so it's a whole new area for me this year. Whole, uh, area I've never trapped before, so I don't know, I don't know how it's going to go, but I got high hopes for it, so. That's awesome. So you're a beekeeper yeah. by trade. You said you've been doing that for several years now. Yeah. Yep. Uh, commercial beekeeping. I guess we got a couple of hives of our own too, but uh, it's nothing commercial. You know, it's just a hobby for us, but mm-hmm. uh, for the family. But uh, yeah, the company I work for runs about uh, twenty five hundred hives and run them here and then uh, over to California and then back again. So. Wow, so are you traveling all over the country doing this? Yeah, yep, yeah, they, uh, they, the bees won't do so good here in uh, Michigan in the winters we've been getting, especially lately, and, uh, you know, most guys lose a lot of, a high percentage of their hives that try to winterize them here, and, mm-hmm. and it works out because they actually pay us to bring them there anyways, they pay, uh, they pay the beekeepers, you know, a good amount of money to bring them to California anyway, so it's works out good they stay alive and you get paid for them, so. <laughs> yeah it's the best of both worlds by the way it sounds <laughs> yep yep so you're one of the few guys i know that are really serious and die hard trappers um there's a few guys yep. in the up that i know that do it but as far as the thumb area you know we're both from harbor beach you're like one of the only i'm sure you know somebody else but to me you're like the only guy that i know that does this hardcore and has done it for a long time so i guess like how did you get into trapping of all things did somebody teach you or is it just something you had a interest in you know when you were a kid or how did that work out yeah i uh actually at, at a young age i i'd go out with uh my my mom's dad would be my grandpa reed and then his dad was alive until i was probably 15 or something so i i was always familiar with it through them but i never you know went out and on my own and did it and after they both had passed, and then uh, it was a couple years, and then we had a heck of a mole problem. Uh, uh, yeah, mole problem. At, I lived in Cairo at the time, and I went and bought some mole traps because they were tearing up the lawn. And, and uh, uh, yeah, so I caught a couple of those. It was pretty cool. And I went and started catching raccoons, and then I didn't really know what I was doing. I, I mean, I had absolutely no idea, you know. Uh, it was fun, you know, waking up every morning wondering what the heck you caught, you know, and uh, and then I, you know, I started remembering about the foothold traps and, and muskrat trapping that my grandpa used to do. And, uh, there was nobody to get advice from anymore. You know, there was nobody around that. And I was kind of in a strange place in Carroll, you know, I mean, for knowing people, you know, I didn't know a whole lot of people. And so I just kind of trial and error. I mean, it took me, I mean, the things I was doing then looking back on it were just crazy. You know, the things I was doing to try to catch a fox, you know, or 
a raccoon with foothold traps and I mean the only way to learn is to really do it wrong first you know and, and you know trapping a lot of it is reading tracks and seeing how the animals react to you know your your sets and stuff and each year I just started doing you know buying more traps buying more lure and scent and, uh, and bait and trying different stuff out and then I you know trying to trying to get into to a longer line but uh, with, with my job going to California kind of cuts right through the middle of trapping season so it's you know I don't get the whole year and, but okay so you got started by trapping moles in the yard and then it just kind of led into one yeah. thing after another yeah, yeah that's really that's literally what it's what it happened I was going to visit uh, a man named Dwayne Priestley and he lives in Akron he's he's uh he's quite quite old I didn't you know he uh he had been trapping for 60 70 years probably and he was the only guy that I had heard of around the area that was you know that that I should go talk to and I'd pay him a visit you know for maybe two years for once a month I'd go by by new lure and uh stretchers he makes his own stretchers and stuff because I you know I take care of my own fur and everything so that was always stuff that he was selling and uh, I just go there and try to absorb as much knowledge as I could, you know, and, and tell him what I was doing, and he helped me. He was too old to come out with, with me, you know, so I just have to tell him, you know, and I'd like to, you know, I'd give him most of the credit for getting me started or keeping me going, I guess, you know. And, mm-hmm. uh, but, but yeah, I, I kind of went, he was more water, and he gave, once he got to an older age, water's a lot, uh, I, mean, I mean, they're both pretty rough on the body, you know, water trapping and, and predator or land trapping, but uh, he kind of just went to stay with water, and and now he doesn't. His boys do it now, I guess. But you know, I don't. Wow. Um, no, that's really and, awesome to have like a a mentor, sort of speak, to help you do all that yeah. and get going. Yeah, yeah, it was nice. Cause like I said, there, and like you said, there's nobody, nobody. I mean, there's a couple guys here and there that you know trap their own property, and but there's no long liners up, you know, in the summer or nothing. You know, guys that run more than 100 traps or something. You know, I'd, there's a couple, maybe in Santa Lac County, but, you know, up around Hard Beach, there wasn't, you know, or especially, you know, younger uh, yeah. guys. There's not, there's none, you know. Right, yeah, like I mentioned, like, you're the only younger guy from our generation that's doing this, and I've always yeah. found it super fascinating to watch you just through social media and the different things of what you're up to and how you're trapping. And then, you're, you know, you're getting your kids involved with it and they seem to really, really enjoy running those trap lines with you. Oh yeah. They love it. That's, that's, it's like Christmas every morning, you know, you, you, wake <laughs> up, you never know what's going to be in the trap, you know, sometimes it's a badger or, you know, it's, it's, you never know, you know, mm-hmm. it's, uh, or if you even got anything, you know, and, but even if you don't, that's when you learn the most, you know, going out and seeing what you did wrong and fixing stuff or, or whatever, I mean, it's a lot of time, you know, it's, and it's definitely not worth the money, you know, you gotta love doing it to do it, because yeah. that's why nobody does it, you know, it's, it's a, I mean, I would say expensive, it's one of the few hobbies that pay you, you know, that uh, you get paid for, but, you know, selling furs and whatnot, and skulls, and, and all that, but. So do you do all your yeah, own furs, and skinning, and all that? Uh, I, yeah, we do, uh, in, you know, we, uh, we skin all of our own, all of our furs and flesh them, stretch them and dry them and, and then sell them from there. But, uh, you know, when the kids, I got a, a 10-year-old and a 7-year-old 
uh, two daughters, and and they help out in the first shed as much as they can, brushing burrs out, you know. And okay. They they like doing it, you know. I don't have to ask them; they just you know they come out and they help. And I mean, they like running the trap line a lot lot, a lot better. But, oh, of course. <laughs> uh, you know, there's way more work than that, you know. Right, right, absolutely. Uh, so, when you started doing this, you said you got into trapping moles and then raccoons. I guess what is one of the first critters that you trapped? that was either new to you or it's a, a story that you'll never forget, like one of your very first ones that, you know, whatever you trapped. What, what kind of explain that a little bit? Yeah, the very first one, uh, it was probably, it, it took me three years to catch a fox, and that's what I was trying from day one. As soon as I, you know, thought, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give foothold traps a, a try, and uh, all I wanted was a fox so bad, you know, and, and I didn't have... You know, I was out by myself, you know, and just doing, you know, crazy things that, you know, I thought would work. But, you know, now that I've gotten much better, I, you know, I would never, ever do any of those things again. But, uh, yeah, it was, it was a red fox. It was like, uh, the last, last couple of weeks of season on my third year. And, uh, I remember it was a wind chill was negative 30, negative 30 that day. And it was, Whoa. it was a nasty day. And, and my kids had been with me, you know, for all the other years trying to get a red fox and they were young at the time very young my youngest one's very young but uh we could see it you know uh, we were checking traps that day and, and i try to set most of my traps now then i didn't but now you know from the road so you don't have to visit your set you know as often and drop scent and and everything because i mean you want to not go to your traps once they're set and you know because coyotes are so smart you know and you got quite the nose on them and right so it's you know uh, Chuck, I could see, you know, red out the field. I knew the only animal that it could be, you know, uh, would be a red fox. And we went home, got changed, put all the, you know, snowmobiling equipment on because it was cold. It was a terrible, terrible day. And, uh, yeah, it was my, it was my first red. And, uh, and from there on out, I mean, I think I bought probably four dozen fox traps that year after that season. And, and then that was it, you know, and then I was hooked from there. So that's, that's really awesome to, like you said, to go out and try and get a red, and then to be able to finally do it after a few years of trying. You know, that's like trying to oh, shoot yeah, a mature just, buck around here. <laughs> yeah, after about 300 raccoons, I finally got my first <laughs> first red. But, yeah, it was, they were, they're, I mean, they're smart. They, it ain't easy, you know. It's, a, mm-hmm. it's a, they're, they're extremely intelligent animals, you know. And, and fox are a lot easier than, than coyotes would be the, the toughest in, in our area. Right. I, I mean, by far the most intelligent animal in the woods. You right. Know. Hey guys, I wanted to take a quick commercial break to let you know about the giveaway that is ongoing right now that we are teaming up with Onyx Hunt. And what we're doing since the Michigan deer season is right around the corner, we are teaming up with Onyx and giving away a one year subscription to four lucky winners. Yeah, you heard that right. We're teaming up with Onyx and giving a one-year subscription to four lucky winners. So, how do you enter? Well, there's multiple ways to enter. Um, You can head to our Facebook page right now. You can start liking the video that's posted on our Facebook page. It's also posted on YouTube, and you can like the video on YouTube. Subscribe to our channel or simply leave a comment underneath the video on YouTube. Start tagging your friends subscribe to our youtube channel and obviously you can start sharing it these are all ways to enter the onyx hunt giveaway that's ongoing again right now on our facebook page so head over there 
jumping on the giveaway. Uh, these are for Michigan maps only, but it's a one-year subscription, again, to four lucky winners. We plan on doing the drawing on September 9th, so make sure you hop on quick, um, as we have quite a bit of entries already, but four lucky winners are going to be drawn on September 9th. So good luck to all, and happy hunting. You know, when you see things on social media and online, people are bashing trappers for doing what they're doing because they think it's so oh, yeah. inhumane. I know you've dealt with that quite a bit, probably in your trapping career. But to hear it from, oh, like, yeah. you know, to hear it from you and what you do and what you do with your kids when you take them out there, you say a prayer before everything happens, and then you know, you yeah. like you said, you basically knock them out, and then they don't feel anything at that point on, and you know, they just don't wake yeah. up after. Yeah, they that. just never wake up. You know. And, uh, you know, it's, it, I mean, you just, you don't, I mean, it's not like you're out there swinging a, you know, swinging a hammer or something, you know, it's just, it really is nothing, you know, you just, just the weight of the bat alone will just, you know, right on that nose is pretty, you know, it just knocks them out. You right. Know, it's, it's a lot better for the kids to see, you know, than anybody else because they just, you know. No, absolutely. Pretty, I can, pretty humane. So. With two kids of my own, I can see why uh, that method that you're, talking about is going to be better than like you said taking a 22 out there not only for the blood and guts portion but you know the hide and and things like that you know yeah yeah keep yeah, the kids and, involved and exactly and that's and that's what i mean even if i woke up tomorrow and you know i you know hey, i'm gonna quit tramping i don't i mean my girls would never let me in i'd have to come with them you know because they i mean my oldest daughter you know she's got she's got five beavers and i've only trapped like three beavers and wow. she's got the biggest and the most, so she's gotten pretty good at that. That's awesome. You know, at, at water and yeah, and the little one at muskrats and no, that's they, really yeah, cool. they love it. They know when the leaves start changing. Bull <laughs> hunting and trapping. That's so. right. That's right. Best time of the year here in Michigan. Um, yeah, so it is. Kind of tell tell me about. I just got a couple quick questions for you before we move on to talking about your link story. That you know is the main portion of this. I want to hear it from you and talk to you about it because I've always read it online and in different yeah. media outlets posted what they posted and that that may not have always been accurate. But before we get into exactly. that, kind of what do you trap most often and least often, and then what's something that you still have on your list of things to be able to trap that you haven't uh, accomplished yet. Okay, uh, I, I'd say, I mean, we target, this year might be a little different. Uh, we, we, we tend to target red fox. I got pretty good at red, uh, more than anything. And, and I don't know if it's because Huron County has more red fox than coyotes, you know, in the area that I trapped, that's what it was. So that's what I got good at, you know, and, and they're the funnest thing to walk up on in the morning too, you know, compared to a raccoon or something. But the, the highest numbers that we put up are raccoons. And I've learned over the years how to stay away from raccoons, you know, trapping out of woods, you know, in fence lines that coyotes run and fox and coons aren't so likely to do it, you know. So it kind of keeps your traps set for a target animal versus a $3 raccoon, you know. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, but yeah, that's, uh, I would say this year it's definitely going to be coyotes. Uh, the, the, the price of skyrocketed on coyotes last year and this, and this year and, that's what everybody's going after this year, I guess. And, and which is, I mean, it's also best for the local ecosystem too. Is get those big dogs out of there. But, um, but the one number one animal on my list is actually a pretty simple one. But I can't 
seem to find one anywhere. It's, <laughs> it would be the weasel. I can't catch a weasel. Really? I've been, uh, yeah, I've been trying for, for years. I spent a lot of time building weasel boxes, weasel traps. People call me about weasels, but I just can't catch one. So that's number one on the list this year again. Wow. So, well, that's really cool to hear that. And now, um, as a yeah. as a diehard bow hunter, I do appreciate any trappers, especially yourself out there, taking care of that coyote population. Because there's nothing I oh, yeah. that discourages me more if I'm turkey hunting and see a coyote, or if I'm deer hunting, like I said, and I see my a coyote run underneath my tree, or I can't get a shot at it myself with my bow. Um, oh yeah, you know it just yeah, drives me wild. Yeah, I'm going to shoot a coyote, you know, no matter what I'm hunting. Yeah, you know, if I, it's uh. Yeah, they're killers, man. You know, they, uh, they really are. And there's a lot of reasons that, you know, you know, pheasants aren't here, but I know coyotes and fox have a lot to do with it because there's a lot more now than there ever was, you know. Exactly. There, there wasn't fox and coyotes, you know, and, and now we got, uh, you know, an animal running around that you can't eat, you know. And right. It just eats right. everything we do, you know. Exactly. Just messes up deer season and, like you said, pheasants and, and everything else for us. So I do yep. appreciate that big time. <laughs> Oh yeah, yep. So let's dive into this story a little bit. Um, I was kind of looking at to refresh my memory. This happened, you know, last spring, and it was yep. from what I understand, it was the first lynx spotting in like forty years in Michigan, a Canadian lynx. And then you made history by being able to be the only one to ever trap one alive, from what I understand. Yep. And um, so I was following the story when it started to break. And correct me if I'm wrong, I believe the lynx were spotted in Lexington first, south of Harbor Beach, um, you know, closer to Port Huron maybe. And then yep. they started working their way north, and I believe there was two of them, right? Uh, yeah, that's one? what, I mean, I've been, I, I never, you know, saw two at one time, you know, but uh, I never laid eyes on two, so I can't say there was two. I think there is more than one. I, I do think that for sure. I don't, I don't, I honestly don't believe that the Lexington Lynx was the one that I caught. I mean, that's okay. probably 40, I mean, it is 40 miles, but, but still just, you know, in that, uh, short lifespan, that's, you know, she was only nine months when I, or eight months old when I caught her, you know, I, I can't imagine she would, she could, but it's just, you know, right. pretty far-fetched that she'd be the only one in the lower peninsula, you know, it's, right. I don't know. Well, that's, that's interesting to hear. So it was eight or nine months old, and it was the one that was spotted in Lexington is 40 miles away from where you trapped yours. And so yep. you, you think, I guess you, you know more about these animals than I do, is 40 miles, and I believe it took two weeks later for you to trap it. It was 40 miles in that amount of time. Like, yeah, I guess I don't know how long before I trapped the one in Harbor Beach that they saw the Lexington. It felt like a long time because I, when, when I first saw the, the the video of the Lexington links, uh, I had watched it, and the original video was that it was a bobcat, and, and I was watching it with my fiance. I was watching the video. I was like, oh, there's a bobcat. The first time I watched it, I thought, you know, I watched it the first time with her, and I was like, oh, sweet bobcat. And then I watched it the second time, and the second time I knew without a doubt that it wasn't a bobcat, it was a lynx, but it had never crossed my mind to even think that it was a lynx the first time I was watching it. You know, I believed right. that it was a bobcat. And, and then I knew for sure, and then it wasn't a day later, uh, uh, VNR said, you know, that it, the video, the, the cat in the video was a lynx. And then, okay. uh, 
So I told I told Stacy, I said, I'm going to catch that that lynx because we live, you know, you know, less than ten miles from where that video was taken. And uh, I said, I'm going to catch that. So I went and uh, <laughs> it wasn't. It was probably that week. I went and got permission on a, a bunch of lakeshore properties, which is about four miles from where that video was taken. Oh wow! And, you know, I just wanted to see one. You know, I just wanted to, you know, that, that thought that'd be cool. You know, to hey, I know I knew I would have to release it, but. Uh, you know, the traps I use are harmless, so I thought it would have been cool. So I, I had trapped those properties pretty hard for a couple of weeks there, maybe. It felt like a month. I don't know how long of a difference there was there. but And then, you know, turns out uh, it was in Harbor Beach the whole time, you know. Yeah. I, I just don't, I, I can't imagine it's the same one. But, you know, if, if it did cross the ice at, what, five months old, you know, all by itself, you know, it's just got to have five brothers and sisters and a mom and dad somewhere, you know? Right, but right. So that's pretty that cool. Far from, yeah. That is really cool to hear that side because that's something I didn't really know. And um, so you were watching the video and then the DNR confirmed it being a lynx and then you got permission to go trap it. So... Uh, yeah, well, yeah, just a couple, not on the, the, the not on the lady that had the video. Right. It wasn't on her, you know, it right. was just, you know, five miles down the road from the uh from our house i was like well i, I bet you he runs the lake shore you know so i was like i you know and so do coyotes so i was like i'll go get some kind of switch my trap line up a little bit you know and, and yeah trap the shore uh lake here on shore for a little bit and and uh no luck there you know but uh turns out a month later you know and i think it was saint patrick's day uh i thought so too i got the fo- yeah, it was it was the it was the Saturday of I don't know if it was actually St. Patrick's Day or we were just celebrating that, but uh, yeah, we were eating dinner at Farmer's Tavern and got the phone call that there's a you know a bobcat uh, killing Joe's geese, Joe McCoy, you know my boss mm-hmm. at the time, and uh, and I was all about the bobcat. You know we can't keep them here in, in, in our zone anyways, but you know I, I had never caught a bobcat. I've only seen them down in Mississippi, you know and. Uh, and then when we got there, you know, uh, we we left the we left Farmer's Tavern and, and drove there. It was it was been a, this would have been a Friday night, and and uh, it was getting dark, and we pulled them with the headlights, and there was feline eyes, you know, in the in the fence line where he said it ran to. I mean, they were they were cat eyes, and I just couldn't tell what they were. We just shined them with the headlights. I said, I'll come back tomorrow, you know, and yeah, and uh, so we did. We came back the next day to, with with uh, you know I brought three traps and, you know, a couple lures that I, I, I use for cats and, you know, canine, but okay. I went there to, you know, I went there to, uh, set and, and sure enough, the cat was out in the, uh, the goose, the goose pen right when we pulled in. So, um, we went into the house, you know, we backed off it for, uh, for a second to go watch it because he had let, uh, a couple of the surviving geese and ducks run around and, and it had went back in to chase them around a little bit and we walked out while it was in the yard and uh behind the goose pen and started taking pictures and and uh doug was there he's got a pretty good camera and he got some amazing pictures that i'm sure you've seen I you have, know, some yeah. of those really really nice pictures of her chewing on the goose that she had killed you know the day yeah. before and yeah, but well, well, when we had walked out, I, I knew immediately it wasn't Bob a bobcat. You know, there's 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 just some you know features between the two that are just you know they, once you once you know what you're you know looking for, they just stick out like a sore thumb. You know, 
So paint the picture of this property a little bit. So this is still further, is Joe's property further north of where it was spotted or further north of you? And and like kind of paint the picture of the farm a little bit for how you spot it so the people listening can kind of paint a picture in their head. Yeah, it's uh it's on uh it's it's on the corner of a dirt road and a paved road, you know, a a pretty busy road. It's it's a little it's 30 40 miles north of where the video was captured, you know, 2 weeks or a month before. And uh, just right on the shore maybe, you know, a mile or a half mile off the lake shore of Lake Huron and uh which is the same as as Lexington is right on Lake Huron too. So it just ran the shoreline like I thought it would if it was the same one. And uh yeah, he's just got uh, he's got two barns there and a goose pen. That's all he's got is you know he raises some some geese and some ducks and the fence that uh, the geese were in is about uh, probably five feet tall. And uh, when that cat jumped in and out of it, and uh, you know Joe had seen it all each time it had come in and out, it, it just cleared the fence you know like nothing. It just walked wow. up to it and I watched it w- jump in. I missed it jumping out one time, but I mean it just cleared it like absolute you know just with ease you know it's crazy but wow that's really awesome to even be able to see that you know not many people get to witness stuff like that yeah yeah that was that was i think it was 1917 somebody you know the first one in in a hundred years that somebody saw on the lower peninsula so that's why when i was i had got on the phone with the dnr as soon as we saw it you know uh before i had trapped it it was it was you know we had gotten all those pictures it was loose and i called them and and they didn't quite believe me that it was a lynx. You know, they thought maybe a bobcat. I said, oh, I know, I know what it is. You know, <laughs> no, it ain't no bobcat. And uh, but yeah, so uh, they gave me the go ahead to to set for it because you know we had the videos and pictures of it killing livestock. You know, and and you know Joe was a good guy to to hire a a, a trapper instead of you know the next farmer probably would have just shot her. You know, killing right. his livestock. But right. and he could have. You know, because she. I mean, she wasn't too afraid of us and which was strange for you know a lynx but uh i think she was just so used to people being in the thumb that's pretty populated and she's running around lexington and you know she definitely seen people before yeah by the way it sounds she was quite relaxed you know if you guys saw her that night and then you know throughout being able to take photos and get fairly close you know not on top of her obviously but to get that close and have her be remain that calm you know that's pretty unusual And have her stay overnight. I mean, his property is, you know, it's uh, maybe seven acres, five acres. And then on any side of it, it's just nothing but giant, you know, soybean fields. And, and you know, at the time, everything was, was plowed fields. So he has a little ravine that runs through there. And she never, she just never left. She knew she had, you know, two, I don't know if it was two geese and a duck, you know, dead, you know, free food there, you know. I didn't think I thought she'd be five miles away the next morning when I came back, you know. But right. uh, yeah, it was. Uh, I had set the traps that day I, on one of the geese that uh, she had already killed, and uh, yeah, I used Jim. Uh, a, a, guy, a gentleman in Clio makes uh, his name's Jim Tate. He makes most of the lures and, and and whatnot that I use for trapping, especially canines. He's one of the best that there is, and uh, I used his twister he calls it it's for uh for dogs you know for for canine for and he also uses it for bobcat and i was like well bobcat links you know it's, it's it's cat lure so i put it on the goose wing and sure enough that night same night had her you know so, wow wow so you caught yeah, her was, caught her at night or you caught her in the morning 
Uh, at night, uh, you know, I, I had checked traps. We, we set them that day, maybe set the traps that day, maybe around five o'clock. Cause we let her, I didn't want her to watch me set them, you know, not that she has any understanding of what a trap is, but I just didn't want her to see me messing in the spot that I was trying to lure her to, you know? So yeah, yeah. she must, she was gone for a couple hours and I snuck out there, you know, with all my stuff and pounded two, two stakes in the ground, two traps and, and, uh, one on each side of the goose on a, just on a deer trail and put the twister underneath the wing. And actually I staked the goose down so she couldn't take it, you know, so she had to work for it and okay. drove a stake through the goose and kind of kept her there and, yep, had her, had her by the front ball. Uh, wow. That, uh, very night we come back, uh, about eight in the morning that next day and she was in it. So, wow. That was pretty cool. That yeah. is cool. <laughs> just yeah. to be able to yeah. get it that quickly, you know, Oh yeah, well I only had one day. That was the thing. I uh, I was leaving for I had a I had a flight to Sacramento the very next day, so I was only able to set you know because the bees were in California. I was just back uh, while they were pollinating almonds for a couple of weeks there, and it just happened to be when you know the the lynx was at Joe's, and I had that only only one night because Monday I was flying out, and uh, yeah, I, I got her that night. So wow, man, and, you're probably uh, pretty pumped up to walk. You know, come back that oh, morning yeah. and see that cat in there, and oh yeah, and she was calm and she she let us walk right up. She she did a little hissing, you know, but uh, she wasn't you know she wasn't hurt or nothing, and she was pretty pretty content, you know, just sitting there, mm-hmm. you know. Now, but you think you know you hear you know you know wild cats, you think you know. Oh yeah, the first thing your mind goes to. There. Yeah, yeah, and cats are yeah, they got you know those. Those hooked, re, you know, those retractable claws, they'll tear you up more than a more than a coyote ever will. A cat, you know, a little bobcat will, you know, shred you, you know. But uh, there's been coyotes that, you know, they don't, they're just not as dangerous, you know. Right. Uh, in a trap, you know, it, like that, you know, trying to wrestle one. But wow, that is really cool to hear. So you you trapped her in the morning, and then you know, there, I've seen the video of where you guys you know you you put a noose or or what have you around her neck and put her into the the cage that you had. yeah a little catch ball okay like a yep so then at that point did you call the DNR right away to let them know hey I got I got it it's a lynx it's not a bobcat you guys need to come see this or what kind of happened after you trapped her you know, uh, we I had uh, I was on the phone with the DNR like through the whole process letting letting them know I had sent uh, one of the officers uh, uh, pictures of her, you know, of, I mean, it was all four angles, you know, actually I probably sent them 10 angles, you know, of the, of the cat out of the trap, you know, that, that day before. So he had knew that I was, you know, that we were right, that it was a lynx and, and not a bobcat. And so I had, I called him as soon as, you know, as soon as we had her in the trap, I, I called him and, uh, uh, let him know, you know, and they, and they didn't come. It was, I think it was a Saturday and they didn't come until, or no, Sunday morning. I would have checked the trap and I had her I set it Saturday, had her Sunday and then they come Monday. Uh, they, the original plan was to release her in the, uh, Minden swamp there that, uh, right. From, uh, I had heard that. Sandalac here on border. And, and that was what the plan was that, you know, that, uh, Sunday, but nobody, I guess they, I don't know, they had the day off or, or something. Nobody could come out and, uh, they asked me, you know, need a cage or put her in a dog crate. And that's what, that's what we did and fed her chicken breasts and watered her. And she drank, but she didn't want nothing to do with the chicken breasts. So hmm. I don't know 
already flying out or, or what, but they come first thing in the morning Monday and took her to Lowell, Nat- Lowell Nature Center or something. Yeah, and, yep, the Nature Center. You know, uh, yep, yep, ran, ran tests and stuff on her. And I guess the biggest thing, you know, they wanted to find out, make sure she wasn't a pet, you know, and that's what, you know, uh, we thought maybe there was a possibility that she was a pet, you know, because just because she wasn't, you know, she wasn't acting like a wild animal, you know, she wasn't, she wasn't acting sick or nothing, but she just, she wasn't afraid of a human, which is unnatural, you know, and, yeah. uh, but, you know, the tests come back and eventually I think from the Detroit Zoo that she was, you know, uh, native to Great Lakes region links and so she didn't have to live in a zoo, you know, so <laughs> it, it all, it all worked out. So yeah, I yeah. was pretty worried for a, a while there, just how it all happened that, you know, that she wasn't going to leave the zoo, you know. Right, because, like, once but she's I out of your position. I don't think she would have lasted up here either. You're probably right, considering the farms and the guys oh, with yeah. that cats attacking their livestock, like you mentioned, they're going to take it into their own hands, not knowing what it is, and maybe thinking oh, yeah. it's a bobcat or something else, you know, and and all the people in the cars, they're, uh, like, that region of the thumb isn't really conducive to a cat like that, right? No, no, there's no property that'll hold that, that you know, that type of animal around here. There's no, you know, the, the, the farmer's got the, you know, got the best of, you know, that area of the thumb. It's all fields, you know, there's, there's some fence lines and, and uh, you know, it's all agriculture. There's lots to eat but nowhere to hide, you know? right. And yeah, that's exactly. what those cats like to like to hide, but uh, we, that's what we thought the the Midland Swamp would be good. You know, there's I don't know ten, twelve miles. You know, no roads go through, but that's what she'd walk in a day. You know, so the UP was definitely the best. Uh, you know, Germfax was definitely the best place for you know. Right. No, no, I agree, and I remember talking to some of our buddies, um, like Michael Meisner, about it, and my brother, and different people, like. The UP just seemed like the perfect location, but not many people, a lot of, a lot, a lot of acreage and land for her to roam. And, you know, yeah, now that she's yeah. up there, I'm, I've always been curious, like, is she going to stay in Michigan or is she going to roam so far where she leaves? Or is there another one that's going to join her up there? I mean, these are questions that we may yeah. not ever know answers to, but it's always just yeah. kind of makes you wonder because this is history that we're talking about. You know, we lived it. You, yeah. you did it. You're going to be in the history books as the guy, the, the only guy in the state of Michigan to trap a live lynx, you know? Yep. Yep. So that's really yeah, cool. And, uh, I, I, we have, we have stopped at a diner in Germfax, uh, oh, probably two months ago. And, uh, the, the lady that works at the, uh, there's probably only one diner in, in Germfax, I think, but she, she had pictures of it. She lived behind the diner, and she has pictures of the lynx after they had let this one go. In the daytime, you know, she's got a picture of the daytime lynx, you know, wow. uh, probably a few miles from where they, you know, released her, you know, under 10 miles probably. And and uh, so, you know, it made me think that, she, and that was a recent picture, you know, so she had, if it was her, you know, she was there for two months, you know, right. in, the, in the general area. But, uh, but, yeah, it was just cool to, you know you know, talk to that lady that had, had seen it and the neighbors have been seeing her too, you know, so. Right, right. No, that's really cool. So hopefully 
you know, as the days and months and years go by that, you know, maybe we do get some more photos of her in the UP to see how big she's getting. If there's more, you know, probably yeah. not because, you know, this may not ever happen for another 40 or 100 years or who who knows. But yeah. at least to catch yeah. a trail camera picture of her in the UP would be something to really cool to see, just to see how she grows and, and what she's up to. Yeah, yeah, that would be awesome because from what I understand, they didn't tag her. Or, or chip her. I, I don't, th- that's what I, I, I understood. I, I guess I don't know for sure, but, uh. Right. That's what I've read I, and things I've heard as well, that they didn't do any sort of collar or tag on her. Yeah. Cause, uh, cause there was no, uh, from what I was told from the Dina, there was no database, there no, no database in Michigan for Great Lakes uh, region links. So there was nothing to, you know, compare, which, which is probably why she wasn't, uh, tagged or, or anything but okay um but yeah you never you never know you never know that's why you run those trap lines and like you yep, mentioned yep. throughout the call it's just you just never know what's going to be in that foothold or in that trap or in the waterways of you know your trap line yeah yeah you don't i mean and like uh yeah i i caught a badger on a, on a, a guy's property that he's you know 70 years old and he's the last badger he saw anywhere within 50 miles of there he said was when he was 10 years old, you know, wow. and he said he didn't know they were still here. And I didn't, I had no idea. I thought I'd have to go out west to get a, a badger and thought I'd have to go to Alaska to get a lynx and yeah. Alaska yeah, to get exactly. a wolverine too. But it turns <laughs> out they're all in, right in the thumb. Right know? in the thumb. So do you catch <laughs> yeah. badgers often? No, I've only gotten the one. I've only gotten one okay. badger. Uh, and I, I, it was on a coyote side of uh, opening day of deer hunting actually. And uh, yeah, the meanest critter I ever caught on that. Badger. Well, I can imagine. You know, you always hear stories, but you get to actually see them up close like that, man. That's got to be pretty Oh, wild. yeah. Yeah, yeah, she's not happy. <laughs> well, that's really cool, you know, to hear hear your side of the story on everything. Like I mentioned, I've always read about it and then, you know, maybe chatted with our buddies a little bit about the, the history and the story and how it unfolded. And you see the media kind of twist things around a little bit. Like, I remember reading oh, yeah, one. Oh, yeah, they did. Yeah, you know, I remember reading one story where they said the animal was wounded or hurt and in the possession of the foothold, and I remember oh, seeing yeah. comments and I think that, and that was never the happened. Detroit Zoo that had said that, if I remember correctly. One one of them had said that. I don't, I don't know who it was, and and she was fine. You know, she was fine. We we were, you know, we spent two days with her. I mean, I didn't inspect her paws, but right. I don't. I I wouldn't use those traps if they tore paws. You know, I mean, the last thing you want to be a successful trapper the last thing you want is uh traps that are gonna break a leg or or you know make the animal bleed or or tear it up and get blood on the traps that you're still trying to use that are supposed to be set free you know it's just there's a lot of misconceptions about trapping you know and i don't know blame it on the fox and the hound or whatever but (laughs) it's uh you know it's just you know all traps got the teeth and it's just there's a lot of bad you know uh, misconceptions about trapping and uh, yeah, it's no, I agree. But it's fun, you know. It is. It looks like a heck of a good time. You know, you're outdoors yeah. in the thumb. You know, one of the greatest places in the world, in my opinion. You know, right here in Michigan. Yeah. Oh, I agree. You're doing things with your kids. You get your family involved. You know, it's just part of being an outdoorsman. You know, it's just something yeah. to do. And and trapping. You know, there's a dying breed, I think, and it's just. It's always oh, been awesome is. to watch you do it and to see what you're going to get. You know, that's, that's something yeah. I always tune into. <laughs> yep. 
Yep, and then it, you, you know you you see results when when you hear the pheasants while you're bow hunting, you know. And, That's and, exactly right. And, I mean, you do over the years, you do see results, you know, and uh, it's just you know predator man predator management is. I mean, it's it, it's it's almost you need to you almost need to have some form of it, you know, if you want to you know be a, have a good piece of property to hunt, you know. Right. No, absolutely. That's awesome. Well, man, I think we're coming up on time here. Um, you know, like I said, I'd really appreciate you taking part of your Labor Day weekend to, to chat with us, and we're kind of looking to revamp or, or you know boost up our podcast productions here. Uh, normally, it's the guys in the in the Yoop that do this, but I know my brother; yep. he's got a child coming up here in a couple of weeks. He's also fixing his house, and a couple of oh, yeah. other, uh, those UP boys up there—they got their hands full with. You know, deer season and everything else coming up, and you know I'm in yep, Indian River right now. Too. Yeah, exactly. Winter's coming too, so they got to prepare for that. <laughs> yep. And uh, you know, I'm in Indian River at our family cottage. I enjoyed my morning coffee, and I've been dying to talk to you about this for months. So I really, yeah, really appreciate you coming me on and doing this. So, yep, no problem. Thanks for having me. Yep, we'll have to do her again as you're running a trap line maybe this fall. I know you got some new yep. property I saw that you are, are very excited about that probably has never been trapped before. So no, hopefully we get some stories yep. out of you this fall. Yep, yep. I'll uh, have to come back on when I get uh, that Winks' brothers and sisters <laughs> this year. So. Let's do it. Let's make it. Let's, let's plan on that. <laughs> <laughs> yep, yep. All righty. Well, thank you. All right. Thanks, Jordan. I really appreciate your time. Thank you very much. Yep. Have a good one, Ryan. All right. We'll see you. So that wraps up episode number four of the TKZ Outdoors podcast. I'd really like to thank Jordan Cook for jumping on with us again. Um, it was a great conversation. I was hoping everybody would be able to learn a little bit more about the sport of trapping, as well as his take and his side of the story of what actually happened this past spring with the Lynx. Um, to hear it straight from him, to me was super exciting uh, to have that conversation with him and hopefully as the trapping season kicks off we're able to get him on a couple more times to to learn more about the sport and hopefully if one of our listeners is into trapping uh, they can pick up a tip or two uh, directly from him a guy who truly loves it and something he has a strong passion for and he's teaching his kids um, how to get involved with trapping as well. Um, so with that, um, you know, deer season is right around the corner, so we're hoping to have a few more guests jump on board with us as we approach deer season, um, get their takes. Um, there's a couple of guys I have in mind um, that I'm going to reach out to um, public land hunters as well as private land hunters and get everyone's take on, and what their goals are for the new season. Um, so I'm really excited to bring some more great content through our podcast to you guys. Um, if you don't mind, if you like what you had heard, uh, leave us a review, leave us a comment, leave us a five-star review. Um, the ratings and, and feedback we get really does help. Um, so we appreciate anything you can do. Also visit our Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram pages. We're posting new content pretty much every day. And we're releasing new fall episodes of our 2018 deer season currently. Uh, we have uh, new episodes coming out every week for the next several weeks, uh, well through the month of October and um, possibly the beginning of November. So with that, we'll hope to talk to everybody here again soon, bringing you a new episode of the TKZ Outdoors podcast. Other than that, have a great night, everyone. We'll talk to you soon.